You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to The Revealing Retina, presented by the American Retina Foundation, the charitable arm of the ASRS, the American Society of Retina Specialists. I'm your host, Dr. Roy Levitt, chairman of the American Retina Foundation, and joining me today is Dr. Michael Newton. Dr. Newton is a board-certified ophthalmologist and corneal disease and transplant specialist. He is also a medical ethicist and has a master's degree in bioethics, science, and society from the City University of New York. He is an associate professor of ophthalmology at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine, where he teaches clinical ophthalmology and supervises the resident's ethics training. He is also affiliated with New York Eye and Ear Infirmary and is the author of the book we are discussing today, Without Your Consent, The Hijacking of American Healthcare. We did a previous show on this and we are continuing this discussion. The premise is that there are many outside forces, government, the health insurance industry, hospitals and pharmacia, that are making physicians unwilling pawns in the game of healthcare finance, unknowingly rationing care for the benefit of various entities I just mentioned. Is this a fair evaluation of the thrust of your book, Mike? I would say it is. That's a, that's a good summary, Roy. The issue of controlling costs is still focusing on the patient's best interest as a universal issue. Other countries have universal health care. Other countries have issues with health care costs. How do they handle this? Well, it's interesting. Uh, in the book, I discuss some other national health systems, not at great length because that's not really what the book is about, but it's an important issue because the question always comes up, why are we so stifled in our care? Why are we hiding uh, the rationing for patients? Why are doctors being put in a compromised position in this country? And how is it being done better elsewhere? And the answer really is threefold. First of all, in several of the, many of the other countries, the Western uh, democracies in Europe, there's more of a feeling of us or community rather than a feeling of everything for me. I don't, I don't mean that as a negative. In, in some ways, the American capitalistic entrepreneurial spirit is fabulous, and that's what provides us with a lot of our well-being. And many people don't like the notion of a communitarian or a sort of a strong social network uh, atmosphere. However, that's what exists in many European countries. And when people don't have the expectation that everything will be done for them and they're willing to sacrifice somewhat so that everyone gets care, I think there's less of an ethical problem. The second major issue is that uh, they expect less from their system. And the third issue is that it's very transparent. In countries like England, the patients are very well aware that at a certain age you won't get kidney dialysis, that uh, care for certain stages of cancer is going to be uh, severely curtailed and they know about it. And so if you know about it, there's much less of an ethical problem. The risk in this country is the patients have high expectations, do expect more to be done for them as individuals, and often don't know about the rationing that's occurring. How do physicians fit into this pattern? If there is rationing and there isn't funding for certain disease conditions, how does a physician deal with this? Well, here or in Europe are you talking about more? In Europe, because, you know, here we don't have that yet, but I think it's coming. Well, the way it's dealt with in Europe and also in our, to our friends of, across the northern border in Canada is, is structurally, and that is that the resources are not there and patients simply don't have access to them. So if you want to go and see a referral specialist rather than a generalist, you may very well be told that uh, you can try as much as you want to and get the authorization to go see the specialist, but he may not be able to see you for four months or six months or, or a year. And that's because the number of specialists are limited. Those are usually hospitalist uh, type of positions. So structurally, it's limited. The number of uh, scanners 
uh, MRI and uh, CAT scanners and whatever is limited. So you can't really move to the top of the list much faster than they can roll people in and out of the radiology suite there. So that kind of structural impediment allows people to ration, you know, in a very straightforward fashion, and everyone sees what's going on. Of course, in this country, we have redundant services and we have excess available. So if you want an MRI today, you could probably get one at 5 o'clock uh, this afternoon with no trouble anywhere. Then the question becomes, if you're not getting the MRI, who is it that's standing between you and the machine? So that's really a little bit of the difference between what happens in this country and in, in most of the European countries. You know, part of the issue in this country, as we discussed previously, are the insurance companies. What legislative changes would be needed, in your opinion, to make insurers accountable for their health care decisions? Well, we talked about this a little bit before, and without dwelling too much on it, in the book I do discuss the ERISA, E-R-I-S-A, Employees Retirement Income Security Act, which was meant primarily to prevent employers from playing the state line game of moving from one state to another and avoiding pension responsibilities. But somehow, over the 1980s, the insurers found ways to get health care incorporated as another employee benefit like pension and covered under the ERISA law, which means that when you sue under the ERISA law, if that's the law that obtains and controls your insurance contract, which it often does, there's no pain and suffering as with state courts. The only thing you sue for is the benefit that you didn't get. So if you had a catastrophic result, rather, because you didn't get an MRI scan, then the lawsuit is just about the cost of the MRI scan and not about any pain or suffering or lost wages and so on and so forth. So I think one of the problems is uh, redefining that law. And in the book, I discuss how at the highest levels, at the Supreme Court level, that very issue has been presented. And the justices to this uh, date have not been very sympathetic to the notion of making the insurers accountable for their uh, decisions. And another problem is that physicians are unable to get together and work with the insurance companies as a unit. Well, there have been a number of attempts of doctors to unionize or to, far short of unionizing, just set up paid groups and the doctor groups, physician groups that would control their own practice parameters and perhaps even bargain with insurers. And in most cases, the government comes down very, very heavily on that. And again, the details are in the book, but the bottom line is familiar to every doctor who's listening, which is the insurance contracts come to us by and large on a take-it-or-leave-it basis. We're always being told to read our contracts that we're getting into with the managed care companies and so on. So usually they're sort of incomprehensible unless you want to spend the time and money to have an attorney read every one. And there's not much you can do about them. We're often in a very weak bargaining position. So that's the kind of position most doctors are in. And some physicians have found ways out of that by joining in with larger groups that can afford the legal expertise to help them navigate these very treacherous waters. But by and large, we still practice in a more fragmented system, and to that extent, we're really at the mercy of the insurers. Pharmacia is another issue affecting our practices. Would you like to enlarge on that a bit? I do discuss the pharmaceutical companies a bit in the book, and the main issues that has come up as far as medical ethics has to do with the inducements that they've given to doctors, push various products one over the other. That's not a main topic that I discuss in the book, but it's certainly one of the groups that has used the physicians a little bit to help push their own agenda. It's not a main focal point in the book, although I do discuss it. I'm going to interrupt here to identify ourselves. For those of you who are just tuning in, you are listening to The Revealing Retina on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Roy Levitt, and I'm speaking with Dr. Michael Newton, and we are discussing his book, Without Your Consent, The Hijacking of American Healthcare. Mike, why does our political system seem unable to address these problems? Well, 
I think, to my mind, the main issue is kind of the right-wing, left-wing split that we have in this country. And in the book, I don't really argue a political agenda one way or the other, but I do make the point that most of the systems in other countries that have worked very equitably and more successfully as far as distributing scarce resources have both right-wing and left-wing or liberal and conservative or more socialistic and much more free enterprise types of vehicles built in. So, for example, in France, which is considered to have a fairly successful health care system, some would say one of the most successful, there is a Medicare type of a federal basic enrollment, and then there is insurance that can be purchased on top of that for people who want sort of deluxe care, but the population in general gets more than acceptable. They get generally good care. And uh, on top of that, you can purchase uh, deluxe care that is, you know, more access to super specialists and faster uh, turnaround times, uh, booking and scheduling procedures and so on and so forth. And in this country, I think uh, as soon as people talk about health care, the uh, sort of the hackles go up and people are, are waiting to push one agenda or the other. And it's either all universal health care, government run, or it's the insurance system that we have now, which whether you're in favor of it or not, simply wastes a tremendous amount of health care resources, up to 20 cents or maybe even 30 cents on the dollar. So if the uh, political debate is all between a government-run universal health care and a completely private system, I don't think we're going to get off the dime. And I think that uh, the countries that have been successful have blended the two, which means that politicians are going to have to uh, are going to have to bend a little bit. I hope that's in the future. There's just a cute story that I heard about a very prominent uh, politician from this country died and uh, went to heaven. And God asked him, do you have any questions? And he said, I just have one question. When are we going to get uh, universal health care in the United States? And God said, not in my lifetime. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if that's true or not, and I'm sure some of the listeners are opposed to universal health care. Others may be in favor, and uh, the problem is always who's going to administer it. You know, I do have references in the book to some astonishing uh, surveys among especially internists and non-proceduralists, and many doctors would be happy to see a universal health system if it were administered in, a, in an equitable way. But I do think the politicians are going to have to blend sort of, you know, right of center and left of center approaches to get the job done. And remember that the patients who are not covered and who fall through the cracks, however many millions that is now, 45, 50 million, we all pay for anyway through our tax dollars. That's true. I guess we can go ahead and wind this up, Mike, and I'd like for you to just kind of rehash a little bit and let's end with your take-home message. Well, the take-home message about the book, uh, Without Your Consent, is the question of trust. And as doctors, we really need to try to maintain a professional relationship with our patients, which means transparency. Obviously, you cannot provide every patient with every service and good that the entire healthcare system can offer, but patients have every expectation that when you make the decision as to how much you can do for them, it will be decided way over the line in their behalf, and we all want that when we're patients. And we have to be on the lookout constantly for the folks that are using us to advance their own agendas and to make sure we keep our focus on the patient's best interests and the patient's care. We've been speaking with Dr. Michael Newton about his book. Mike, I thank you for speaking with us. Thank you, Roy. And I'm your host, Dr. Roy Levitt, and I'd like to thank you for listening to The Revealing Retina presented by the American Retina Foundation. For more information, visit us online at AmericanRetina.org. We welcome your questions and comments about this or any other show. Please send your email to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at www.reachmd.com. 
Our new on-demand and our new podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Again, thanks for listening.